0: Let's pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, what a joy it is to be able to be here this morning to praise you, to spend time with you, to receive you and respond. May you be in the word as we receive it and we respond to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. I'm glad to have the opportunity once again to be here with you sharing the word. This morning I want to talk to you about worship and I'm gonna get more into not what worship is but um, are the pattern of our lives toward worship. What should it look like? What is your singular focus in life? Think about the things that are important to you. If you were to rate them, what would be the single most important thing on that list? What are your priorities? What do you seek the most to have? If you were to obtain what you seek, or that goal that you're trying to achieve in your life, without any limitations, without any restrictions whatsoever, knowing for sure that you are going to get it, what would it be? What would it look like? How would it reflect in your life? Would it be happiness? Would it be fame? Would it be fortune? Or perhaps health? maybe peace, comfort, wisdom, education, career, holiness, perhaps salvation. This is all a good list of values, perhaps accomplishments. And they all have their merit in themselves, of course. There's nothing wrong with them within the right context. But what about Fellowship with God. Would that be important to you? Is that the reason you come to church? The general sense of what worship is is widely known. And I'm sure that if we were to ask you how you felt about worship or what worship is to you, you would come up with a list of things that would describe that. But here's the thing. The specifics of what worship means are more vague. Most Christians have very little knowledge of worship and even less an experience in actual worship of God and fellowship with God. They don't know what that might look like. Aside from knowing that there's obedience, you must obey, avoiding sin and following what God commands, such as thou shalt only have, one god no other gods before me there are specific ways to show god our admiration respect honor glory and more specific ways to worship him almost everyone you ask puts the emphasis on what happens up front on sabbath morning forgetting that worship specifically involves our total life and what takes place inside of us every moment of every day. It's all-inclusive in everything that we do. Going to church, singing songs, listening to sermons are elements of worship. They're part of it, but they in and of themselves are not worship. You can do all of them, and I'm sure you would agree with them. You could do all of them and still feel you haven't worshiped. We often mistake the means of worship for genuine fellowship with God himself. Worship is not about us being in church. It is not attendance-driven. And please don't take me wrong. What we're doing is not wrong. Remember, I'm trying to, to set this case For you to understand that there's an attitude here. An approach to worship. Rather, God is showing up. And breaking up our hearts. Breaking up through the inside of us. Completely changing us. And bringing uh, bringing us into his presence. And sending his grace to us. Giving us his grace. That's what worship Is, in essence as you put all those elements together is feeling that presence approaching God to receive his presence and his grace dr. Joseph Kidder in his book majesty and experiencing authentic worship states worship is about being caught up in the majesty and wonder and awe of God at its core Worship is about being so moved by the presence of God that we kneel down in obedience and devotion and then rise up our holy lives filled with service and excitement for what God has done as doing and is doing in us. In essence, worship is an encounter with God. This describes a personal experience between God and and us, our own unique, genuine experience with God. So that's gonna look different for each one of us. When we enter into an authentic experience or authentic fellowship with God, we are more likely to live his will in this world and serve him with love and enthusiasm. Pastor Chad has been preaching about this and what that love what, how that love might express like. Kidder further stir- states that there is a strong connection between personal worship and congregational worship. He further clarifies if one individual is weak, the other will also be weak. If one is strong, it will inevitably make the other strong. I propose that the singular focus in the christian life is enjoying authentic fellowship with god longing dwelling and being with god worshiping god everything in christianity everything we do centers on worship and i would like for us to consider david in first chronicles if you would turn with me there to first chronicles chapter 16 David continues to demonstrate, as he has throughout his life, his devotion to God, his intimate relationship with God. And this is another example. And we'll look into the Psalms in just a moment. But if you turn there, you see that during David's many great acts, we get a glimpse into some of the ancient worship practices. And I would submit that these practices are still applicable today. We know and understand that the biblical messengers favored these practices because they themselves later credit David throughout the Psalms and that his way of worship was deemed the way of worship. After David and his comrades journeyed to Obed-Edom to bring back the Ark of the Covenant, the symbol of Yahweh's provision and advocacy for his people, David appoints, if you see chapter 16, verse 4, some of the Levites as ministers before the Ark of the Covenant of Yahweh. The Levites, the tribe designated as religious teachers, are first to invoke Yahweh, to call upon him. They are then to do what should be natural in all encounters with God, to thank and praise him. And these, as you will follow along with me, you will see these are all specific ways to worship. Acknowledging God by calling on him, being thankful for his provisions, and then praising him for who he is. So I'll start here in First Chronicles. And actually, I will start in verse 23. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his wonders among all peoples. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. For he's also feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord made the heavens honor and majesty are before him strength and gladness are in his place give to the lord of families of the prophet of the peoples give to the lord glory and strength give to the lord the glory due his name bring an offering and i'm going to start just taking a few phrases here worship the lord in the beauty of holiness Tremble before him all the earth, the world also is firmly established, it shall not be moved. Let the heavens rejoice, and let the earth be glad, and let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns, let the sea roar in all its fullness, let the field rejoice and all that is in it. Then the trees of the woods shall rejoice before the Lord for his coming to judge the earth. So David illustrates here another part of worship in this song that is following this event. In verses 35 and 36, Save us, O God, of our salvation. Gather us, rescue us from the nations that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Blessed be Yahweh, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. You see, David is petitioning God, and he calls others to acknowledge God for his work by making their own petitions. It's not that God needs to hear how great he is, although we do that, right? He's awesome and wonderful and perfect and much more than any word could ever describe. But that is not the reason. The real reason here is that we need to be reminded how wonderful and how great and how awesome God is. In humbling ourselves before him, we are demonstrating our rightful place in his kingdom as his servants, his humble servants, appointed for his great works, as stated in Ephesians 1.11. In worshiping God, we are longing for him. And what exactly are we longing for? Testimonies, Volume 1, page 164, Ellen White's counsels. The mind should be elevated to dwell upon eternal scenes, heaven, its treasures, its glories, and should take sweet and holy satisfaction in the truths of the Bible. David, in the Psalms, proclaims that our attitude towards God should be What is stated in Psalms chapter 84, if you would turn with me there. Psalm chapter 84, and I'll read verse 2. My soul wants and even fails for the courtyards of Yahweh. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. This song speaks to the blessedness of the dwelling in the house of the Lord. And we continue reading verse 4. For the courts of the Lord, my heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. My soul longs, yes, even faints. Blessed, verse 4 here, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They will will still be praising you. Verse 5, blessed is the man whose strength is in you. Verse 10, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will be withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man who trusts in you. If you turn with me to Psalm 27, David also describes here a song which expresses his greatest quest, the one thing he seeks. Psalms 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. And here's verse 4. One thing I have desired of the Lord that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Verse 8, when you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. O God of my salvation, number 10, the Lord will take care of me. 11, teach me your way, O Lord. Verse 13, that I will see the goodness of the Lord. And verse 14, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Dwelling in the house of the Lord. David pulls together three major strands here. It's sort of like a rope, if you can imagine, of the personal experience that we need to have with God. And this um, analogy of these strands were also used by the ancient philosophers. It was called the triple star of value in the human experience. The philosophers would summarize what it was of worth in three words. Beauty, truth, and goodness. Intrinsic qualities from which all values are essentially derived. Plato used these in his writings and explanations. Others who were not followers used this, and it appears time and time again in many writings and luminaries in their early days. So the first goal here in this chapter that we see is to behold the beauty of God noam a beauty that moves the beholder now i'm sure that you all relate to this have you ever seen a beautiful person yes and how they move us just by the way perhaps they they behave perhaps their smile the way that they speak there's something about beauty and god gave us beauty to enjoy right he gave us eyes to enjoy beauty, but most of all, his beauty. David longs to behold this beauty of the Lord in the sanctuary. It is a beauty that the Lord has within himself, his character. But it's also a beauty that the Lord imparts to him, to each one of us. Throughout the Old Testament, the experience of worship and salvation and becoming like god in character is described in the language of aesthetics or beauty now i i seem to for me i get this because of course i enjoy beautiful things i like having beautiful things around me right and i like things to look aesthetically pleasing so i think um i don't want to separate the men from the women here but just, I just feel like as a woman, for me, I just enjoy the pretty things, the pretty side of things, right? It doesn't mean that we're not going to be exposed to the ugly. But here, the context is seeking out the beauty, the beauty of God, the beautiful things that God can give us in our lives. We must seek them out, we must long for them and search for them. It is the beauty of truth, the beauty of character that captivates the senses and draws and attracts the beholder. The second goal here is to inquire in his temple. And this word, bakar, to inquire, means to make a serious, diligent search. To make an inquiry, diligent seeking and searching out, a detailed examination of evidence to determine the truth of a matter. Those of you who are attorneys, you understand this, right? When you're trying to search out the truth, when you're trying to search out a way to come up with an argument or to make a defense, you seek out to the greatest way that you can, to that evidence that will finally decide it all, right? And this is the same type of serious, diligent search that we make to God, to inquire in his temple, to inquire of God, to inquire the truth. Therefore, the worship experience is not only an experience of awesome beauty, it is also a reflective, diligent search for truth. The third goal here is the temple, hakal. The great house, the old, in the Old Testament, this was the sanctuary, the temple called the house of the Lord, the great house of God's goodness, the good news regarding the God of the sanctuary. The children sing the song during Vacation Bible School, a big, big house. You know this song, right? For VVS, a big, big house, the great house of the Lord. And in this context, verses 5 and 6 of Psalm 7 also describes this, the message of the heavenly judgment, the heavenly sanctuary. In the final day of trouble, God's people will be protected. They will find sanctuary in his sanctuary. And from that heavenly sanctuary will come vindication from false charges against God's people and against the new David, the Messiah and King of the universe. Verse 13 refers to the goodness of the Lord. Verse 8, to seek his face, to celebrate and praise the goodness of the Lord. The great house of goodness The sanctuary is a palace of praise. Our approach is doxology. It is a personal communion with God in his temple, in his sanctuary. And this is the place where he is ministering for us now. He invites us to enter into this most holy place by faith, to seek his face, And he invites us to spiritually dwell in heavenly places in the house of the Lord. And then verse 14, I'm glad this chapter finishes with this verse. This verse is very important to me because so often we get impatient and we want to get ahead of God. He says, wait, the psalmist writes here, wait On the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. This is with eager anticipation, standing on tiptoes to get there, to reach there, watching expectantly in hope, waiting for the full revelation of God in his sanctuary. So by now you understand that In our Christian walk, in our life, our approach is being in constant, intimate fellowship with our beloved Lord in his heavenly abode, the sanctuary, the temple. We worship because of what God has done, what he has done and is doing and will do through his son, Jesus Christ, and through his spirit. The aim of worship is to glorify God, to praise Him, and to thank Him, to enter into an experience with Him. He takes us in with loving, open arms, seeking God Himself with all of our hearts and our mind and soul and passion and energy. Therefore, being with God means we adore we exalt, we submit, we respond with enthusiasm, with true thanksgiving, with joy, because the Lord is God, because he is our salvation. He's great and awesome. He's strong and holy and gracious and good because his loving kindness and faithfulness is everlasting Folks, he never gives up on us. Worship focuses on God and not what we can get out of it. It focuses on the divine holiness of God and his worth. The means of worship are present when we fellowship with God, studying the word, prayer, fasting, singing, offerings, service. But much more than that, worship challenges us with a clearer understanding of ourselves when we encounter God. We see our shortcomings, which leads us to seek God's forgiveness. See, it's not worth it. But in God's eyes, We're worth everything because of Jesus Christ. Ultimately, genuine worship should result in transformation and a life filled with service, ministry, and blessings. God's greatest desire is to be with us, and our deepest need is to be with him. When we encounter God, our hearts touch his heart. Do you ever feel that you have touched God's heart? Or that God has touched our hearts? I invite you today to follow David on the similar quest on your own. Encountering and experiencing God in a personal level God's divine truth and beauty and goodness It doesn't matter who you are the important thing is that you are there and that you relish the presence of the Lord let us pray Lord as we understand your love for us and how much you desire to commune with us may we continually seek you out and never let you go father You don't let us go. May we dwell in your beauty and your truth and your goodness. And may we remember that being with you is the single most important thing of our lives. Amen. We will turn now to hymn number 29 as the offering is being collected.